Welcome to the Zanbergen Report, where wealth strategies and investment wisdom collide, featuring your distinguished host and certified financial planner, Bart Zanbergen. Welcome to our show of Dream Chasers and Wealth Makers. I am thrilled to be back in the studio today with a new episode of the Zanbergen Report. I'm proud to bring in the movers, shakers, and difference makers who are passionate about sharing what they have learned and what you need to know today. And today, I am very pleased to have such a special person, very talented, very accomplished, Valentina Khan. Valentina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And Paul, it's been a few weeks. It's um, it's it, actually good to see you. See, you missed me. I knew you would here. Uh, you were out you. gallivanting around the world here, doing whatever you have. And I'm tired of palm trees and beautiful ocean. I had to come back to see you. <laughs> did you go to, is that where you were? Did you go back to Tahiti or someplace? Like I had. A, I spent a little bit of time in Tahiti. I did, indeed. Wow, there you go. See, yeah. he just drops that in so casually. He starts by complimenting me, and then he has to remind us that he just came back from Tahiti. Well, 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 let's just carry on here. Let's carry on. Uh, so, Valentina, um, I know that you've been very busy lately, but I'm so glad you took some time to be on the show. And I think your your story and your business is very well-timed, so let's get into that. You have a wonderful background, which we're going to talk about, but the company that you're um, representing is Investors Philanthropic, which I know is a charitable giving fund. We're going to talk about that, what type of fund it is, and how it's differing from other funds and so forth. And then I know you're also managing uh, director and host of The Joy of Giving, and I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah. And of course, we need to talk about the fact that you are a, a, a bar <laughs> dance instructor, and, and you created something really special there as well, correct? Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's my passion. All Being right. The fitness studio let off yeah. the team. <laughs> So Paul, Paul is a big bar uh, dancer. He doesn't really? like to talk about it, but yeah. He, yeah. Oh my gosh. Actually, really I like just it. go to the bar a lot. That's all I do. Oh, yeah. I go yeah, to yeah the which bar. bar are we talking about? <laughs> exactly. <differentiate? laughs> all right. So let's see, how should we start? First, I think, Valentina, you're kind of how you got to where you are today. Um, sure. I know you went, to, you got your bachelor's degree, then you went to law school and you got a master's. So let's talk about that and how you ended up where you are, and then we'll kind of dig into what you're doing. Well, thank you. Yeah, sure. So I am a native of Orange County, grew up in North Teston, and I uh, went to USC and then, you know, listened to my parents and went to law school. And although I didn't truly, you know, care for that profession much in terms of for my life career, I did enjoy that legal education and meeting all the wonderful people I did, who I'm still such great friends with. And then I got involved with interfaith work. Um, after law school, I just thought, you know, I need to get involved more with my community and kind of just dig deep and do something that feels really good for my heart and my soul. And I don't know, it, just was, it was just calling me, just being with people and not arguing and not, <laughs> you know. Complete opposite. Totally opposite. Just kind of, I used my legal background for like structure and stuff, but nothing to go out and fight. I think fighting just yeah. hurts my heart and some people are made for it and you know hats off to my to my legal friends and lawyer friends but i just really i had that moment where i was like i need to do more with my life in terms of giving back so got involved with interfaith which is like um in a nutshell buddhists hindus jews muslims christians agnostics atheists and coming together and just kind of finding that common ground and building bridges and that led me to getting a scholarship at um, Claremont to get my master's. 
Um, and that was like a focus in nonprofit work and public speaking and um, like a leadership context. So from that, I kind of, you know, spent my 20s in school <laughs> and finding my way and wondering if I'll just study for the bar after that master's um, um, and just, you know, where, where, what I would, where I would go from there because I never really knew there was an opportunity in the world of philanthropy. And so um, fast forward, I guess, after my master's and I was invited to go into a real estate developer's office, uh, family office here in Newport Beach and kind of learn more about his philanthropic goals and passions. And it led us to the donor advised fund industry and space and him inviting me to become his partner. And, um, and now here we are and it's that, is another story itself, but that's yeah. pretty much my my last five years. Well, it's, it's so interesting how your two different worlds, one wouldn't expect them to collide as they did, but I think you said it, I think your legal training, I'm sure was very helpful because in the charitable world, there are, there are contracts and T's to cross and I's to dot uh, when it comes to that. And then of course, you know, knowing something about the tax laws and then your love and passion, I think, for just humanity <laughs> yeah, absolutely. has really has really helped with that. So let's maybe for listeners, I know you and I've had conversation about this and we're, we're both um, attuned to this, but investors or listeners may not be as um, aware of what a donor advised fund and how that compares to just straight out charitable giving compared to maybe some of the other. So sure. do you want to start and then we'll just kind of go back and forth? Yes, would love to. So I might, I also didn't know what it was. You know, I dabbled in estate planning and charitable giving um, when I was thinking to become an, an attorney. And I had no idea what a donor advised fund was, you know, six, seven years ago. So what it is, it's an actually an amazing tool for donors who care to be philanthropic, but also strategic in their philanthropy. The key to a charitable vehicle and what we're called investors philanthropic what we are 501c3 so any donor who gives to us directly they get their immediate tax deduction but the beauty of um, a charitable giving vehicle like like investors philanthropic is that once you get your tax deduction you can um, be strategic in the sense of how you want to give your money down the line it, it can actually kind of marinate in your fund for you know for an, an indefinite a long time indefinite yeah right? indefinite yeah. period at the moment and so you know you can allow your investment advisors such as yourself grow your fund so if you start with a hundred thousand in 2020 it's year end and you choose to give a hundred thousand get your immediate tax deduction and you open your fund in your family name or your business name um, then your investment advisor and you as a donor can strategize how to prudently invest it so it can grow over time and you choose to visit it in two to three years and that 100,000 is now suddenly 300,000. So now you have that 200,000 to potentially give away to a charity of your choice and um, we help facilitate with that. So my, my first takeaway there is you set a really high bar to to double or triple the money in three years. So I know. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a really high bar. I'm a very hopeful person, Mark. <laughs> I like that. Um, <laughs> So here's some takeaways. Uh, I've been using uh, donor 
advised funds with my clients for years and uh, one the simplicity of them compared to many of the other um, vehicles make it very attractive that kind of leads into convenience but i think flexibility and when you said indefinite the thing that i actually it didn't dawn on me until recently it's indefinite such that you could really make it a legacy fund because we're talking with some of our high net worth families now about hey you don't have to utilize this or or deploy all of the funds prior to your death it could be something that you know your children that that you would hopefully be on the same page and they can continue to do the giving and we've recently had some what we're calling family meetings with the you know the the client or the older generation with their kids and and trying to find you know where their their passions align and and how they can continue to do this as a family and keep it going. So that along with the concept, so that's the beauty of the of the philanthropic side. There's there's a beautiful tax benefit side too because yeah. um, we have we do tend to use these in years where clients um, have a big tax year, whether it be they've sold some stocks or a house or sold a company, something along those lines. And how I try to position it is. This is a bigger tax year, and let's say let's say someone's sixty years old, and say, okay, normal life expectancy. We'll even add some. Let's say you know thirty more years is your life expectancy. Well, you're giving at such a rate right now. If you multiply that number times thirty, that becomes a pretty big number. Mm-hmm. And for some people, if they have a big event, like maybe they've sold a company, their future tax taxable years are probably not going to be so high. There's going to be some odd cases, but probably. Mm-hmm. So what we do is try to calculate, or let's say you're giving, I don't know, 10 grand a year you know, times 30, that's $3 million. I may or may not want mm-hmm. to, to put that much in, but if we use Valentina's um, model. Um, growth model, <laughs> you don't have to put that much in. But in any event, um, the uh, obviously the money is invested. They take the tax deduction the current year, and then they're able to give at will to whom, as long as they're a bona fide five hundred one c three, right? And so I think it's a great tax planning tool, and I just think it's a great overall philanthropic tool. I absolutely like. I you know I've always known a philanthropy to be a big deal in our country. I mean, our country is a leader in in essence in when it comes to philanthropy and giving back. And being good stewards so the fact that there has been this tool created um, that's far superior to a private family foundation even is really really interesting and i feel that people who are um, inclined to be charitable and philanthropic and have that a uh, tax savvy and strategic planning going on they should consider looking into it because it's very easy as you said to set up mm-hmm does not take long at all and it's um virtually zero dollars to set up a donor fund it's ridiculously (laughs) easy to set up and and virtually no cost no cost i mean the the costs are minimal and so i like to you know brag a little bit about ours since we please do Uh, we (laughs) we have analyzed and combed through the industry in terms of everybody's fees and for a newport beach boutique donor advice fund we are extremely competitive with our fees and we're extremely uh, motivated and inspired to learn about our, our donors and what they want to give back to so we're local easy to to uh, 
to be in touch with and you get me on the phone pretty much <laughs> and i'm truly interested in learning about what the legacy as you say what families want to leave behind and how they want to teach their children and your grandchildren about giving back and that to me is a really important part of um, legacy giving mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that's really important to me as well in the the number of charitable tools or plans you, you mentioned one family foundation and there's Charitable Remainder Trust, Charitable Trust, all of which right. do have a great um, position and are useful. Um, and I would encourage listeners to maybe email or send if they have questions. But what, if it boils down to someone someone who's looking for something that's just simple, easy, flexible, and gets a great tax deduction, I, I do believe that's the way to go. Yeah, and I think, you know, some people are really intimidated by it because, you know, you might think you need to have a lot of money to start your own family fund and in actuality there are different brackets to enter into and get in into a fund and what I think is the most um, enticing thing is that your charitable dollars get stretched so in one year you'd like to give five thousand dollars to a nonprofit and that's a wonderful thing the nonprofit gets it instantly and you're instantly uh, helping them for that year but then the next year you have to start from scratch and again try and find those charitable dollars to give to a nonprofit that you love what I what I think is fascinating about you know charitable giving vehicles like a donor advised fund is that you give your five thousand to your donor advised fund and then your investment advisor takes the strategy and reinvests it so now you have those little gains you know throughout throughout the months and years hopefully if the market's doing well or real estate's doing well or you know a cd does well whatever it is like you have more so i just like that opportunity for somebody who's naturally a charitable person or family to be able to stretch their dollars for a longer period of time and have more to give i just mm-hmm. think that's just really smart to me and kind of basic. Yeah. You hit on something. I think we can share this. So what is the minimum amount that your fund can accept? So our fund is really flexible at the moment since we are brand new. And I am very interested in, in you know, learning and meeting people, donors who are interested in this. So we started at a threshold of 10000 and we realized that was a little low. So I'm. I would like to say... Anywhere between ten to twenty-five thousand is a entry fee for mm-hmm. our donor advised fund, and yeah, I you know I'm also really flexible. So I, we're not Fidelity, and uh, they are as low as five thousand, but they're also extremely large and very corporate, and mm-hmm. we're very um, I want to say concierge and boutique and Newport Beach and local, and I'm very one-on-one and hands-on. So it's yep. a, a different kind of entity. So um, I do. I want to get into your um, uh, joy of giving, but um, it occurred to me that we should probably share this. So once the money is is donated into the donor advised fund, what investors have the ability to do, and with your fund, is they could. I'm sure you have a, a method where they would contact you and say, "All right, Valentina, um, I want to. I, I put in a hundred thousand dollars. I want to send five thousand dollars to you know ABC charity." Mm-hmm. And then you would direct a check to them, to the charity, as a benefit of the the name of the fund and, and the giver, correct? Right. So it could either be anonymous. So if the person doesn't want to be known, they can. It, it'll just say our name, Investors Philanthropic, on the check to that charity of their choice. Or it'll have their family name written just beneath 
um, investors philanthropics name on that check so that the nonprofit receiving those assets will know where it came from so they'll direct their you know their thank yous etc yeah. to the appropriate yeah to the appropriate donor that's great yeah anything else um, on investors philanthropic before we move on I want to make sure I covered everything yeah well I mean you know as, as you know and your listeners probably are interested in it's just for something to look into highly because if you're you're a tax uh, conscientious person you know capital gains you don't you can eliminate your capital gains when you open a donor advised fund as well as avoid inheritance tax and it's just like a a very cost effective efficient and headache free way to give so if that's up your alley i just highly recommend checking it out all right great let's talk about joy of giving this the show that you're doing tell us about that well, so, you know, we realized that uh, Investors Philanthropic, as um, awesome as it is, it's not exactly the most glamorous um, <laughs> way to to promote a new business. And so we combed through the Internet and saw that, in general, anything philanthropy-related or charitable giving-related and tax-related, if you talk about philanthropy and taxes, is kind of cut and dry and a little bit um, not as entertaining. So the the birth of joy of giving um, was, it, it was brought about because we thought we want to be able to go out into the world and learn about people, businesses and, and high profile people, as well as who they give back to. So we thought investors philanthropic is one thing, but it needs to become a little bit sexier, a little bit more attractive for social media purposes. Because you can just talk about strategy and tax all day and probably put somebody to sleep. So we just thought, you know, joy of giving, let's go out into the world and learn about where these um, donors, you know, gifts will go to. So we basically teamed up with a variety of people who have been giving back. We interview them. We go to their galas or their events, fundraisers, and then we learn about who they are as business leaders in the community or as high profile people and what they're passionate about. So we've covered like Ronald McDonald House, Thomas House Shelter, um, Brent Shapiro Foundation, Standing United, OC Rescue Mission. I mean, just, oh, a, wow. yeah, it's been a wonderful, that was 2019 when things were just- How's like your 2020 been? <laughs> a dream compared to, to what's happening now when we were actually able to meet face to face and go to events and learn, but you know. Yeah. So that's, Are you- Mm-hmm. Have you been able to um, participate in any of the virtual charitable charity events or through the Joy of Giving or with the Joy of Giving? You know, we're actually looking, starting to look into it now because, as you know, it's either the spring or fall that is yeah. big, the big um, times for all of these events to start happening. And so fall, spring is when we were first struck with COVID-19 and everything was literally shut down so that nothing was happening at all. But I think... Now people are starting to open up, and we are planning to to attend and, and support and film as much as we can to try and highlight whatever they are raising mm-hmm. money for. And yeah, I, I know you're kind of new in the space, so this may not be a fair question, but um, what effects of COVID have you seen? Other than the obvious, right? There's no events, um, but have you seen a slowdown in charitable giving from any maybe? prior years or what have you seen 
Sure, yeah, no, so I actually did a little bit of research for you because that's a great question. And we were planning to launch, you know, early 2020. So that pushed our plans back for us personally. However, in the charitable giving space, um, there have been studies done to show that charitable giving is actually at, at the same pace as it was for, really? certain, for certain donors. Like they're still mm -hmm. giving the same amounts mm -hmm. and or they're giving more because of specific causes like COVID-19, um, Black Lives Matter, fires in the West Coast. So, and then there is a smaller, very small percentage of people who are um, not confident in the economy and, you know, potential, hopefully not, but recession, et cetera. So they have slowed down their giving, but it's a very small percentage of people due to the uncertainty of the times. But yeah. other, other than that, it's about 50% of people are still at the same pace as they were in previous years. And if anything, another smaller percentage have upped the ante and started yeah. more. So. That, that's great news. And I will tell you a bit surprising for kind of reason we just talked about all the events that are I know are, are known as big fundraisers have either not happened or gone virtual and you know virtual events are are about as fun as they can be but not the same as showing up so I would have thought that number would have been a lot less I think it's you know because of charitable giving vehicles like donor advised funds um, that are reaching out to their donors and saying you know this is these are the variety of nonprofits that we want to be giving to and that need our help and either the donors are giving to the same causes that they've given to before or they're giving to these newer causes not newer but causes that are that are in need of it right now so it's a it's very promising it just shows that charitable giving is a major theme in our country and even when we're going through a lot as a whole we all still believe in, in helping out and giving back and like I mentioned being good stewards that um, yeah. That is a big, big theme of our of who we are as people. I believe. Yeah, let's let's switch gears again and talk about something really fun about this this dance bar. So oh I don't even know what bar I, I've seen the signs. I'm not even exactly sure what bar is. Oh, it's other than the, bar, the bars that Paul goes to, but the, yes, of the fitness bar. <laughs> so um, it's so funny because I was actually studying for the actual bar exam. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is ironic and the funny. It's like I was studying for the bar exam, and then at the same time, I was attending these bar classes. So my parents were always so confused, like, what is she doing exactly? Is she, is she studying bar? Is she going to bar? It was really funny, so for, for a small period of time. But what it is, it's really just a ballet bar, a wooden floor, or sometimes carpeted studios. There's big franchises like Bar Method, Pure Bar, and then there's little pop-ups like my mine that was a part of um, Energy Bar. And basically, I collaborated with this young USC entrepreneur, you know, a few years back. Okay, maybe like 10 years now. Gosh, I'm just <laughs> lying. And um, I was studying for the bar, went to his studio, said, hey, I am a yoga teacher, and I love, love ballet and dance, and that's my background, and I need an outlet while I'm studying. So let me teach. And so he said, sure. And, and um, before I knew it, I realized that there was a need in our little neighborhood in Tustin for an, a bar studio, like an actual bar. So again, it's like ballet inspired, but it's got cardio in it with fun music. Okay, um, so like ball, ballet inspired with mm -hmm. cardio. So you're moving. Yeah. And music. And weights. And oh, and weights. Oh, yeah. And stretching. 
And we have males, so I think I need to invite you and wow. Paul, and Paul. Michael, to my class when we officially open up. <laughs> so, you know, we just I just kind of studied it because I was obviously so not into studying for the other bar. Yeah. And um, and I created a I feel from I feel I mean, I'm just talking a really fun style of working out. It was mm. just a lot of movement, fast music, fun music. And then you use this elegant ballet bar and do these elegant movements movements that are ballet inspired but yet you're getting that cardio and that heart rate up so i called it dance bar i tell you what would really encourage me to go is if if i get to see paul in like leotards or something like that is that the is that the attire for for men and women i'll tell you what i'm planning and with energy bar to throw a (laughs) halloween bar party that we throw every year and this year, obviously, because of the situation, we might have to throw it outdoors at the tennis club in Newport Beach, where it has a really nice green grass oh, yeah. area. Yeah. So I'm going to invite the two of you to come, not as spectators. But <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> do we have to wear a tutu? Do you have to wear like ballet clothes? And uh... well, it's Halloween, Paul, so you oh, can okay. dress right. however way you'd like. Oh, that that's, would that would be frightening funny. enough if I showed up in tutus. Yeah. <laughs> And it'll be a party. It'll be a party afterwards. Work out first, and then party afterwards. Why that did Why did this fun. thing B A R R E? Why did this take off? Who is Bar? What is Bar? Is it just named after the ballet bar? This idea of of using a ballet bar to balance yourself and move up and down and do exercises. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I don't know. For a lot of women, that ballet physique is kind of, I don't know, not not for most. For the women I've been around, because I've been around a lot of yogi and. Zumba and ballet people seems like that. The only yogi ball. I know it was a bear a long time ago. A yogi bear, oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that ballet bar for some reason really gets your body into shape. You can use it for many different ways. You could stretch on it, and stretching is critical for like elongating your your muscles and and um, basically curving out your body is through stretching. And then you need your cardio, and then you need some weight resistance. So we kind of just combined all of it. Wow. It sounds really good. It's fun. It's really it's <laughs> such a stress reliever. It is loud and the lights are off pretty much. And there's like disco lights, I guess. It's fun. I'm looking for my invitation. I'll come yeah. check it out. <laughs> Don't you worry. You are I mean, right away once we get our date set. All right. We're actually, I've just looked down, we're running dangerously low on time. Um, but one of the things I get to do is ask my listeners the ultimate thought question. And what um valentino what is the your ultimate lesson learned um i'm just going to say in your adult life usually i go career but in your adult life as you've you've e i want to say you evolved I, I say that in a very positive good way as you've changed and transitioned so what is the ultimate lesson learned in your adult life you know i want to say like the biggest lesson so far has been communication communication with people you work with, people you are in relationships with, people that you want to work with, just being able to be yourself, be confident in who you are, and then communicate what it is you're looking to do. And um, always trying to find that collaboration between you yourself and that person you're communicating with. Um, that's how I got the dance bar started with my you know, fellow USC um, entrepreneur 10 years ago. And that's how I kind of landed into the interfaith space and then got a master's with um, Claremont. It was just lots of collaboration and 
communication. And then that's how I ended up in this philanthropic space was just communicating what I was looking to do with my life and finding the right people who were willing to guide me along and, and believe in me. And then mm. meeting the right people for, for joy of giving. I mean, it took a lot to find the right team members to come and film and take time out of their lives and their busy schedules to show up to an event or a gala or a fundraiser and follow me along with a camera or coach me on how to be, you know, in front of a camera. And it's like, I just feel like nonstop communicating and learning how to speak with people and getting your ideas across and understanding their ideas and meeting mm -hmm. in the middle is just critical. So I think yeah. collaboration Collaborating and communicating is the way to go, whether business or doing good, giving back, or just living life. That's that's a great answer. What would you what would you tell your younger self? What would you tell your your fourteen year old self? Oh my gosh, my fourteen year old self. Wow, that's such a funny and good question at the same time. I would tell my younger self like there's no rush. I was in such a mm, good one. Oh my gosh. Enjoy it. Enjoy You're an overachiever, aren't you? <laughs> Obviously. No. <laughs> no, but I was like in a rush to be in relationships. I was in a rush yeah. to get married. I was in a rush to find the right person. I was in a rush mm. to grow up and go to, you know, 18 and over events or I was in a yeah. rush to move out of my parents' house. You know, it, gosh, just don't. Great lie. answer. Great enjoy, answer. Enjoy. Enjoy. Cause you have your whole it seems like adult life lasts forever yeah and now we have to now we have to rush her answer so she's in a rush again here yeah we're almost done all right but i have one more question i have to ask you this one sure. you're so tiny you're so put together it's so pretty what is your guilty pleasure oh my god that's so good that's a good one chocolate cookies really oh chocolate chip cookies. great my everybody who knows me knows i go to the lost bean every day that's my little shop intestine I get my Americano and my chocolate chip cookie. And sometimes they have to stop me because I make them. I'm like, you guys, I've reached my quota for the week. Don't let me have another cookie. It's, it's, my, it's my thing. It's my thing. Wow. Job. Okay. I love that. <laughs> very, very good. Anytime you want to have a chocolate chip cookie, Bart, call me. I am right. a girl. All right. I, can, I, I see that. I can hear that. <laughs> all right, Valentine, this has been a really, really great time. So thank you so much for, for all the information that you share, both personally and about what you're doing. I think it's really, really valuable. So thank you for your time. And how do we spell her name oh, and the organization so they can thank, find her? Thank you, Paul. Valentina, could you please let people know how they can reach you, at, what, what, the best way to reach you on, on the stuff we talked about today? Absolutely. So they can email me at vk at investorsphilanthropic.org, vk at investorsphilanthropic.org. And we're also on Instagram, and I'm always on there, so they can DM me, look us up, at Joy of Giving IP. So Joy of Giving. And if they want to look you up on social media and, uh, and uh, LinkedIn or whatever, how do they spell your first and last name? Oh, Valentina, V-A-L. E N T I N A Con K for Catherine, H for Henry, A for Apple, N for Nancy. Okay. All right. Just want to make sure here. Yes. All right. Thanks, Paul, for uh, bailing me out. I'm getting a little rusty here. It's out a few weeks. 
all right. Thanks again, Valentina. Thank you, Paul. And thanks for all the listeners who tuned in this week. And we look forward to being back in the studio again next week. Cheers. Thank you so much. Thank you both. Tune in next week for the latest edition of the Zanbergen Report, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Catch up on our recent shows by visiting bartzanbergen.podbean.com. The Zanbergen Report is also available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Interested in being a featured guest on our show or have a question you'd like to hear us answer? Email podcast at bartzanbergen.com. Bart A. Zanbergen, CFP, and Letitia Burbaum, AIF, are registered investment advisors with Optivest, Inc., and registered representatives with Gramercy Securities, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advisory services are offered by Optivist, Inc., under SEC registration.